turn to Romans 8. I'm still on Romans 8. I'm just going to finish off where I started last week. If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8 and verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? If you want to try and follow my points, I got four of them. I don't even know where they are myself half the time, but I got four. I might try and highlight them as I'm going through there. So when I come to number four, you know I'm nearly finished. But who's woo then? Was that you, Hannah? By the time we come to number four, hopefully you're so engrossed you won't even realize. If God is for us, who can be against us? First thing, God changes the rules. If God, but God, when God. I love those little phrases because it always speaks to me in the scripture of God is intervening, but God did this. If God is for us, when God does this, it means that in our natural, everyday lives and situations, God intervenes. And when he intervenes, things change. The natural order of things can change. The natural becomes supernatural. Almighty God makes a difference. God changes the rules. I'm not, I'm not a mathematician. In fact, I pro I'm probably the opposite of a mathematician. Those of you who know me a little bit know I don't like numbers. I think it's, I think it's a problem. Is, something, oh, is there something dyslexia of numbers? I probably got it. Just blah, blah, whatever it is. Dis, oh, it sounded good. Dis, disabacus. <laughs> uh, I think I need an abacus. But I know this. Two and two are four. And it always will be, won't it? Never change. Five and two are seven. It always will be. Until you put it in the hands of Jesus. Five loaves, two fishes. That doesn't work out to seven. It works out at more than 5,000. Because Jesus, if God is for us, but God, when God gets involved, he changes things. Even the rules of mathematics and probability. Five plus two, five loaves, two fishes. It's not just a meal for about seven people. Could have stretched it maybe. You have two fish, you have a loaf each, seven, yeah. No, 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 Jesus go. I'm going to intervene here. Yeah? I'll change the rules. Mathematical rules do not change, but they do in the hands of God. My sin deserves punishment. But my sin plus Jesus Christ equals no punishment. When he's involved, he changes the rules. He walks on water. 
He defies the laws of gravity. He changes the rules. Why does he do this? Why does God change the rules? Because he's for us. He wants to get our attention. He wants to get to you. And if it means changing the rules of nature, the rules of mathematics, if it means changing his own rules, because Jesus didn't come from the the ironic priesthood line, he came from another line. So God even changes those rules if he needs to. Why? Because he wants to get to you. Because he is for you. He's not against you. So my difficult situation, plus my inadequacy to deal with it, equals what? Chaos? I don't know. But when you bring God into the equation, he changes that. Because he changes the rules. My sickness and my diagnosis equals something. But when you bring God into the situation, he changes the rules. Because he is for us. He's not against us. Remember last week, we said he's the God of the universe. Let's get this into perspective. The God of the universe is for us. No, let me put it another way. The God of the universe is for you. Sometimes we we look at this blanket God that loves everybody and is for everybody, but he loves you. He is for you. He's in your situation. Secondly, you are not alone. When God is with you, when he's for you, you're never alone. Sometimes we do feel alone. Sometimes we feel insignificant. Sometimes we feel small. Sometimes we feel on the outside. Especially if we're going through difficult circumstances. Especially if we're in sickness or in bereavement. If there's been a a separation in a relationship, if you feel intimidated or or in fear, you can feel alone. But because God said, I am for you, it means you will never, ever be alone. I don't know if I've told you the story. I probably have. It was about a, a woman who lived on her own, in a house on her own, didn't have any family, not many friends, but she might go out now and again. And she didn't like walking into an empty house. And and this was her story. She'd open the door and she'd just shout, Jesus, I'm home. Because she knew he was there. He was with her anyway. But it's just, he's her friend. And then she said, I would have a conversation. Tell him about my day. Jesus, let's have a chat. He's always there. The Bible says he will never leave us nor forsake us. I think it's Hebrews 13 and 5 and it's found in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do you know if he did leave? And I think this is true of everyone, even those who don't know him. 
then you'll experience loneliness. That is true loneliness. If you don't have God, separation totally from God, then you'll experience loneliness that you've never experienced before. He goes before you. He's already in this year. He's already in that circumstance you're worried about. He's already in that problem. He's already in that thing you're looking forward to. He's already there because he's outside of time. He will never leave or forsake you. Run to him, even in difficult circumstances. Yeah, we run to him when things are good. Let's run to him when things are bad. Running to him doesn't mean you're retreating. It doesn't mean that you failed and I, I have to turn to God now because i got nowhere else to go. We run to him to run to strength. He is our strength. Proverbs 18 and verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower or a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. You're safe in him. He's got you. Why? Because he's for you. He's not against you. Hide in him. Have you seen a, children do it all the time, don't they? When they meet a stranger, when they come across a, a, a situation that they, they can't handle, they don't know. What do they do? They go to mummy or dad and they just hide behind them. Some, I, I've seen some even, I know our kids used to do it, just hide under the coat or, or get really close and, so nobody can see. They, they hide their eyes. It's, it's, that's what we must do with him. Just hide in him. It's not a retreat. It's not saying, well, I'm so frightened. I gotta, I'm safe in you. You're going to keep me safe. You'll never be alone when he is your friend. Nothing, the Bible says, can separate us from his love. Nothing. He has not left us fatherless. He's not left us like orphans. He sent us the comforter. John 14 and verse 18. Jesus said, I'm not going to forsake you like orphans. In other words, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you lonely. A bit of a dicky throat. I hope I'm not getting this way you've got, Karen, honestly. Gosh. Oh, it's your fault. Where was I? He is a loving father. And a loving father will never let you go. How do we know that? Because he breaks all the rules to get to us. He breaks his own rules to get to us. He'll break the rules of nature to get to us. He'll break the rules of mathematics to get to us so that we are not alone. Point three. You're home now for tea. There are conditions. Don't take God for granted. Oh, God is for me. There you go. Easy. Let's carry on. No, no, no. If we want the Lord to work more effectively in us and with us, there are conditions. He is for us, but there are things we can do to make it a lot easier for Him. Sometimes I think He looks at us and goes, why are you making it so hard? I'm for you. I want to walk with you. I want to be with you. I want to help you. You're making it so difficult, Andrew Cleverly. Sorry, God, again. We can all be like that. Resistance. 
Let's have no resistance in our life. Do you know what resistance is? I had to look this up. In electronics, a resistor is used to reduce the voltage applied to a circuit. It reduces the power. It reduces the flow of power. So when we are resistant, when we are, are resistant to him and we try to do things on our own and we don't involve him in everything, in our everyday life, we become resistant. And he's saying, let me flow through you. I can't flow through you if you don't work with me. If you're resisting, hand everything over. Talk to me. Resistance can also cause other forces to come in, like heat, which is sometimes undesirable if it's the wrong heat, if it's the wrong fire. It causes friction. Two materials could be rubbing together, resisting, and there's a friction there. We don't want friction. We don't want friction with each other. We don't want to cause the wrong type of heat, the wrong fire. Read about that in the Old Testament. I think it was the sons of Aaron, wouldn't it? Brought strange fire before God. Let's not resist the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's work with Him. Let's not take Him for granted. He's going to bless me anyway. He's for me. Hey, who can stand against me anyway? Whoa, there we go. Do whatever I want. No. His conditions. That's why we have to flow with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5 and verse 25 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I've talked about this verse a lot. It's one of my favorite verses. In other words, let's live in harmony with the Holy Spirit. Let's keep in tune with the Holy Spirit. There's least resistance when we put God first. James 4 and verse 7 says, come close to me and resist who? Resist the devil. The only resistance we need in our life is against him to resist the enemy of our souls. But we have to put God first, then we resist him. That's the condition. Jesus spoke about it in Matthew 6 verse 33. He said, seek God first and then all these other things will, will come afterwards. But we've got to put him first. That's the condition. Yes, he'll break the rules. Yes, you'll never be lonely. But, and here's a but for us, put him first in your life. Don't take him for granted. When we get these things right, we will see more power flowing through us because the resistance becomes lower. And if God is for us, wow, who can stand in that? Who can come against that? No resistance. The Holy Spirit will flow freely because he's committed to you. He's committed to guard you. He's committed to walk with you. He's committed to guide you. He's committed to protect you. He's committed to speak up for you. Last week I spoke about that. We have two-thirds of the Trinity speaking before God. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Also, Jesus himself intercedes for us. He speaks up for us. 
He smashes through laws and rules and protocol so that you will never be alone. But don't resist him. Put him first in your life. You see, these, what I'm saying here is, is nothing new. This is not great theological teaching. This is not instructions that perhaps you've never heard before. But sometimes we forget these things. And we've got to get them right in our life. He is for you. Are you for him? Are you committed to him? Can you put him first in your life? Can you trust him? Can you give him everything? Because he's given you everything. God is for you. And then finally, One of my favorite subjects. His spirit and our spirit. Romans 8 verse 16. God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. Another version says, His spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. God's spirit and our spirit mingling together. He is in us. Although we're not always aware of him. We're not always aware. Because when you are his, and, and I wrote this down, and I, I thought, God, is that right? And I said, yeah. When you are his, when you're a believer, God is not looking around for, right, who needs me? I'm looking around now, all the Christians, the believers, or oh, somebody needs me over there. Um, I'll go and help them out over there. Um, the Holy Spirit is, can you just go and help that person's situation? No, 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 that doesn't happen. Because he's already in us. He doesn't have to go looking for you. He's got you. He's in you. And sometimes we overlook that thinking, oh, God, yeah, I'm in this situation. And I love you, but come and help me. He goes, I know. I'm there with you right now. I live in you. My spirit and your spirit working together. I know what makes you tick. I know your downfalls. I know your failings. I know the good things. And sometimes we, we cry out to God thinking he's, he's far away, but actually he's right here, right now, already in you. It's up to us to to live that life knowing that he's there with us every minute of the day. Not just walking beside us. John, first epistle of John, chapter 4, verse 13, 15. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. If you know Jesus Christ, his Spirit is mingling with your Spirit. It touches your Spirit. You don't have to go looking for him, crying out for him. He's there. He's with you. He is always with you. He is in us. And sometimes we don't feel that. Sometimes we don't sense that. 
Sometimes we do feel as if we're out of step. Whose fault is that? Not his. That's ours. Sometimes we need to re-examine ourselves, as Paul says. Get our attitudes right. Get our minds right. Taking captive every thought. Making sure that our spirit inside us is the one in charge. I remember doing a preach many years ago. I don't know whether I might resurrect it one day. I don't know. I think it needs resurrecting. <laughs> it was about 20 years ago. And it was called, Who's the Daddy? I don't know if you can remember it. In other words, I was preaching on who is in control of your life. Is it the Holy Spirit or is it the carnal mind? We need the Holy Spirit to be in charge in our lives, mingling with our spirit. See, when we create the right conditions, and the right atmosphere in our heart and in our mind, we suddenly become more aware of Him. We suddenly have this huge spiritual embrace. I can't say that I'm always living in that place. Don't get me wrong. But I've experienced it. We're going through the prayer course in our link groups at the moment. And I think that in our link group, we may be ahead of everyone else. I'm not sure. We've done session six this week. Anybody on session six yet? No. It's contemplation and meditation. Peter Grigg is talking about meditating and get it into that place. And he's talking about this very thing that I'm talking about here right now. Into that place of where you're just enjoying the presence of Jesus. That huge spiritual embrace where you have to say nothing. It's not petition, which is we have petition. It's not intercession. It's just that, ah. And when you come to session six, it's one of my favorite ones. It's amazing. He described it in three stages. I'm not going to give it all away, but this is just this little bit. Peter Grigg described this place, this spiritual embrace, this spirit-to-spirit place. He described it in three stages. The first is meditation. He said, it's me and God. It's the getting ready. Yeah, here we go. Me and God. Here we go. Oh, God. You know, and you're praying and you're trying to connect spiritually. And it's like that, isn't it? Oh, yes, God. Jesus. Here we are. Yeah. And then you go from that. You might have a bit of worship. I don't know. And then you go from that to the contemplation. And it becomes God and me. And God starts to speak. And you're hearing that and you're going, yeah, thank you, Lord. And, you, and it, it moves from me and God to God and me. But then there's the third stage, communion. And that's only God. Just God. Nothing else matters. You could be in the house. You could be in a church service, wherever it is. Nothing else matters. Nothing else, your prayers, nothing else matters. It's just God. And that's that spirit place. That's that warm spiritual embrace that he's saying, I want with you. And do you know why I want it with you? Because I'm for you. I want to spend time with you. I don't want to say anything. You don't have to say anything. 
I just want to be with you. I just want to hold you. You know, we can live every single day like that. There are times of petition. There are times of intercession. There are times of worship. There are times of other things. But there are times of just God. This should be our norm, just expecting those times. There's a quote, and I don't even know where this quote come from. It, ca- it, it was in the, the prayer course, session six. Someone said, perfect prayer or perfect worship is not even knowing you're doing it. I thought that's so true. Not even knowing. It's so natural to you, you don't even realize it. And I used an illustration with our, our link group. It just came to me as we were looking at this. When I was about 14, many years ago, um, I went to a Welsh school, and it was all Welsh. We only spoke Welsh at school. And I went to Llangranog. Do they still go to Llangranog? Yeah? A Welsh retreat. I went to Llangranog for a a week. And it was just Welsh saturation. That's all I can describe it as. I was speaking to my friends in Welsh, which was weird. Because we never used to speak Welsh to each other when we were in school. We speak Welsh to the teachers. But we, I was speaking to my friends in Welsh. Everything at, at, at our, our lunch times, everything in our games. We were speaking Welsh. It was Welsh, 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 Welsh all the time. And I didn't realize it, but at the end of the week, something dawned on me. Do you know what was happening? I was thinking in Welsh. I wasn't translating. I wasn't thinking about it. I was just so in harmony with Welsh, I was thinking in Welsh. It became my lifestyle. I've forgotten an awful lot of it since then, right? That's another lesson. We should be like that with the Holy Spirit. It becomes so natural to us that it's our thought pattern. It's our way of life. It's our walk. It's our every day. It's come so natural that we don't even have to think about it. But the warning is, I've forgotten a lot of my Welsh. It's a bit rusty. Is the Holy Spirit rusty in your life? Have you forgotten a little bit? Have you ever been in that place? Because the Lord is saying, I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm for you. I want to live with you. I'll break the rules to get to you. I'll move heaven and earth to come to you. I'll do away with old covenants and I'll make new covenants. I'll see Jesus Christ sacrificed. I'll never leave you. I'll send you a comforter to live not just with you but in you. Why will I do that? He's saying, because I'm for you. Because I love you. What are the right conditions? How can we create these conditions? Those that worship him. Worship in spirit and truth. It's very simple. Trust him. Be honest. Humble yourself before him. Surrender before him. Adore him. It's not just a head knowledge. It's that spirit knowledge inside. It should be our second nature. It should come as natural. When we begin to pray, when we begin to 
to worship. We should be expecting that embrace any time. There are times, and I don't know whether you've experienced this, but I can only go on my own experiences when I've been in those places. And I'm just sorry that they don't last longer. It comes for me, especially when I'm listening to some worship music. If I'm alone, usually. If I'm studying God's word, usually. All of a sudden, I have to stop. Just say nothing. But we shouldn't be surprised at that. That should be the norm in our life. I want to end with this last verse and a few thoughts and perhaps the worship team can come back up. And then perhaps as we are worshipping, maybe we can have a bit of self-examination. Yeah, I know he's for me. Yeah, I know that. But what are we doing about it? He's moved nature. He's broken rules and laws that he's set up just to get to us, to show us that he's for us. And sometimes we take it for granted. Jesus said these words in John 14 and verse 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and he'll be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and in you. Let's tune into him. Let's walk with him. Let's live in him. And this is not just for a moment. This is not just for a few hours a week. This is every second of our lives. This should be the norm. I want to be more aware of him. This God of the universe. One of my favorite chapters, apart from Romans 8, is John chapter 1. This lowly fisherman who writes words that are breathtaking. How the word was right in the beginning with God. And the Word was God. And the Word, through Him, all things were created. Talking about Jesus Christ. And then that verse is verse 14. He says, And that Word became flesh. That's my God. It's your God. And guess what? He's for us. He's for us.